You know, today and in this day and age, we're faced with many things. And as we look at the different things that come our way, we often feel ourselves feeling a little down or defeated. Anybody here, just anybody, feel a little defeated this week? A little down? I have. Have you ever come to church and just, and let's just be honest, you don't have to raise your hand this morning. Have you ever just come to church and walk away and go, wow, I just didn't get a thing today? Have you ever just been somewhere and you were expecting to experience God and you walked away feeling dry? Unfortunately, there's a lot of churches today where that's going to take place. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of places today that that they're going to have a service And it's going to appear that people are going to be moved by God. But in the end, will they really be moved by God? If if they don't walk away changed, did they really meet with God? Because you can come into a service and feel like you felt God. But if you leave exactly the same way you came, then did you really experience God in the room? For when you experience a holy and living God, it will change your life. Life. There was a man. He was a a big man. He made a living chopping down trees with an axe. He had seen this new invention called the chainsaws. I heard heard, about this thing going on. And there were guys cutting down trees a lot quicker than he was, it seemed. And doing more productivity than he could with the axe. So he went and bought him a chainsaw. He went out all day, 10 hours. He came back to the store just as mad as a hornet. He, he walked in there and, and, and the salesman said, Sir, how'd it go? He said, This is a piece of junk. This ain't worth nothing. I was out there all day long and I did not get it to cut down one tree. I tried and I tried and not one tree fell after an entire day's worth of work. Ten hours of my life wasted. And the salesman said, I don't understand. That's kind of strange. And he reached over and he got the chainsaw. And he pulled on it. And the guy said, what in the world is that noise? He had spent his time using a chainsaw like it was an axe. He had power in his hand, he had ability in his hand, but yet he had no idea how to use it. So today we come to this place and I want us to take a good solid look at ourselves because God is a God of power. He has power for us that we often leave uncranked and unused. The word power is used about 120 times in the New Testament. It often refers to God's power, to the advancement of God's kingdom, the advancement of His power. And so today, that's what we're going to look at is power. Somebody say power. Power. It is obvious that such power characterizes the ministries of God. When we look in the New Testament and we see what happened, we can see God's power working from The time Jesus was born 
all the way through Revelation. God's power is evident, but yet it seems to be so absent in so many places today. Why? Where is God's power? What happened to the day when you hear of old revivals, hundreds being saved and uh, revival breaking out? Where is God's power? Well, let me comfort you today to tell you that God's power has not gone anywhere. God's power has not changed. His plan has not changed. The thing that has changed is you and I. So with that being said, we know that the power of God can convert sinners and it can cause spiritual growth. It can cause us to be bold and effective when we're witnessing for Jesus Christ. We know that it can heal. We know that it can defeat Satan and his kingdom. We know that God's power can help us persevere and overcome through faith in the things of life and enable us to do ministry. But where is God's power? It seems like we have a lot of plans. We have a lot of people. But where is God's power? Well, I want you to know 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 says, To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. Not by His programs. Not by our programs, not by our ministries, not by our people, but by His power, our lives changed. Do you hear me, church? Are you there? Are you awake uh, this morning? Because you need to hear this. The devil don't want you to get it. That it's not the plans of the church. It is the power of a holy and living God that will change people's lives. It doesn't matter what we do up here. If the Holy Spirit's not working in you out there, then this place will be dead and we might as well have a funeral. But praise be to God, we don't have to have a funeral today because we got power. Amen. Somebody say power. power. Power from on high. That's where it comes from. So where is the power of God in His church today? Well, more importantly, how can you experience God's power in your life personally? That will radically move and change you and direct you and do something in you and through you like you've never seen before. I want you to walk away with having an answer to that today. The disciples had spent three years with this man named Jesus. This man who was born from a miracle and power of God. This man who spoke with authority. This man who healed the sick. These disciples had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They were there when he had just a few loaves and a few fish and he fed 5,000 people. These disciples were there to hear him teach and cast out demons. Two of them were there. Whenever Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and all of a sudden there's Moses and Elijah with Jesus. You want to talk about a teacher, a preacher, someone with illustrations and stories that would grab your attention. You don't get any better than Jesus himself. He was the Word. Three years, these disciples were with Jesus. They dedicated their lives to follow Jesus. And then he began to talk about 
the Son of Man must die. The disciples didn't want to hear that. I mean, that's, that's a divergent from the plan. But Jesus declared he must die and be lifted up. And with that, the disciples pledged their allegiance. Said, Jesus, everybody may run away from you, but I won't. That guy over there may, but I won't. I'm going to stand beside you, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. We all know the story. As soon as Jesus was arrested, they headed for the hills. They ran away. They had seen the miracles. They had seen the healings. They had seen the feedings. They had seen the raising from the dead. But yet, when the rubber met the road, they hit the road. And they watched as this Jesus was crucified. And he died. The one they had put their hope in died a criminal's death. And they were confused. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one, but he's now dead. But God. I'm going to hang out there just for a second. But God. Not science. Not logic. Not someone else. But God. Raised Jesus from the 100 percent totally completely absolutely no question about it dead and he was alive over 500 people saw him walking around they knew this man that was dead was now alive and their life was transformed but as jesus was coming to a place as he was coming to that, that, the end of 40 days, because once he rose from the dead, he was with them for 40 days. Somebody say 40 days. How long was Jesus with the disciples? How long? 40 days. He talked with them. He performed miracles. He taught them all, all kinds of things. And I want us to get into Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Turn your Bible there if you've got a paper Bible. If, if you've got it on, on the version, I can't hear you turning your pages. I love to hear the turning of the pages of God's Word. So, so if you got one, just turn it a little louder so I can hear it this morning. I love it. You hear that? Oh, the rustling of God's Word. Luke chapter 24, we're going to begin reading in verse 44. Because today, I want us to look at what came before the power of God was ushered in for you and I. Because up to this point, the power of God only fell on a few people. Like Moses and Elijah. Verse 44, now Jesus said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The very first thing I want us to know about today when it comes to before there, there is power, number one is this, there is instruction. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus had given them instructions about who he was, 
what the Scriptures had said. And I'm here to tell you today, you're getting instruction right now. You are getting the instruction. Some of you have heard the instructions of the Lord for years and years. You know about Jesus. You know when He was born. You know about His miracles. You can name some of His disciples, if not all of them. You have the instructions from the Lord. And it's very important here. When I saw this, this was interesting. First came the Word. Come on now, you didn't hear me. First came the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. First comes the Word, comes the instruction, comes the the, the clarification of the black and white and red of who He is. And how He fits into the entire story of Scripture. So first comes the instruction. The greatest teacher, the greatest illustrator, the greatest seminary professor that's ever lived illustrated and taught and gave them the information and the instructions they needed about himself. It began with the Word. But it didn't end with the Word. See, before there is power, there's instruction, but there's also, look at this. Second, there's revelation. See, someone who does not know Christ and who is an atheist can read the Bible and get something out of it. An atheist who does not believe the Bible can read the Bible and get something out of it. But the one who is empowered and his life is changed, they get a revelation. Because this isn't just a book to study. This is a book that reveals who a holy and living God is. So look, look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds. How much clearer can you get of a revelation? They had the instruction of the Word, then they had the revelation of the Word. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. If you're having trouble understanding the Bible and understanding the Scriptures, could it be that God's not opening your mind because you're filling it with a bunch of junk? Whoa, where'd that come from? Maybe the reason you don't understand the Bible is because you understand YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and all these other things a whole lot more than you know the Word of God. If you'd get into the Word of God, start feeding your mind with the Word of God. Well, pastor, I just don't understand it. Well, don't give up. Keep digging. God will reveal. When's the last time you asked Him to reveal it to you? Look here. The disciples, they were with Him for three years. And Jesus had to open their minds to actually understand it. So do not just see this as a scholastic book. This book... There must be revelation before you can have power in your life. Because see, with revelation comes a belief and comes a faith and comes an understanding that you won't get any other time. Power is not found in church attendance. Listen now. Power is not found with you showing up and singing a song. Power is not found in the lights and the instruments and the songs that we sing. Power is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the third thing here, look at this. I love this, man. This is rich, what Jesus was doing to him. First, he, he said, I've given you instruction. Now you have a revelation. Look at this. This is the revelation. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again. 
That he would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Let me tell you what Jesus is talking about. If you want power in your life, if you want God's power in your life, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't expect God to work on your behalf if you don't belong to Him. Yeah, He wants to draw you to Him, but that power that resides within us must come from a relationship with Jesus Christ and nowhere else. You can hoop and holler and jump around all you want, but unless you have the Holy Spirit, you look like a fool. You have to have the Holy Spirit in Christ and you've got to have that revelation to experience the power of God today. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you have access to the power. You have access to what? Power today. You may feel defeated. You may be, feel pushed down. But let me tell you where the real power is at. Power's in God. It's not in... It's not in right thinking. It's not in right, right speaking. It is in the right God that is holy and having a relationship with Him and Him alone. That's where the power is at. Woodrow Kroll said this, and this is good. With the power of God within us, we need never fear the powers around us. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Because there's a lot of power around her, around us, isn't it? How many of you ever get nervous whenever you see a police officer? Ooh, oh, boy. I can be doing the speed limit, maintaining my lane, and I see some lights, and the first thing I do, <gasps> we have bosses. <laughs> we have spouses. <laughs> we have people in our life that exercise power. But we should never fear the power around us because of the power within us. There's power in Washington, but let me tell you something. It compares to nothingness compared to the power of our holy and living God. Congress may have power to pass some laws, but God is the law. He is the Word. Jesus Himself is the Word. And that's the real power. It's not found in legislation. It's found in what God's already declared. And as we are instructed and it is revealed to us and we understand that Jesus died on the cross to save a lost world, that that is the reason Jesus came. Not to make you feel good or for you to have a little hope that tomorrow will be better. It is for you to have an eternal relationship with a holy and living God. That's why Jesus came. And when you grasp a hold of that, you're on your way to experiencing a power like you've never seen before. Pastor, where are you going with this? Well, I am going right where Jesus took the disciples. No relationship, no power. You may want to write that down. That's just simple. No relationship, no power. The size of the church, the size of the budget, the number of people in the worship ministry, the number of students in the youth ministry does not determine the power of God. The number of programs happening is not equal to the power of God. The power of God 
will cause growth and cause things to happen, but only when it's working within the hearts and minds of the people in that church and in that place. We can put on a good front, can't we, as Christians? Man, we can get dressed up, look good, act good, nod our heads and say, oh, I'm just fine, when inside we're an absolute dung heap. And we can walk into a place where God, the Father's house, who's not going to judge you and, and, and push you away and cause you. What a great song. But let me tell you something. If you can walk into God's house and not be changed, then you did not experience a holy and living God. Let's read on. Not only does he talk about a relationship, there's instruction, there's revelation, there's a relationship with Jesus Christ, the whole essence. And he's talking about you're going to be proclaiming his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. But look at verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. You know what they got? They got a mission. They got a mission. Here is your mission. You're going to be witnesses. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of your age, from the youngest teenager to the oldest adult in this room, you have a mission. And that mission was spelled out in the first two verses prior to verse 48. 46 and 47 says, We are to proclaim to the nations. That through Jesus Christ there is forgiveness of sins. Let me tell you, that's offensive today. I'm just going to be real and honest with you. It is offensive to stand and say that Jesus Christ is the way and He wants to forgive you of your sins because you're a mess. Our culture and our world wants us all to get along and understand one another. I'm all for all getting along and understanding, but I'm not all for letting people die and go to hell for the sake of making them feel good. Jesus declared, the only way for forgiveness of sins is found through Jesus Christ. See, we are not trying to get to God. God is the only one who said, let me come down there and take care of business. Let me do this myself. He came so that people can have eternal life in heaven with Him. And so He gave them a mission, a mission that they are to simply be what? Witnesses. He didn't say that you need to be seminary professors and know all the answers and be able to perform our miracles. He just simply said, you are witnesses to this fact. You've seen it, you know it, and you are to do just that. So Jesus gave them instruction. He gave them revelation. He gave them the pathway to a relationship and he did not save them simply for them to be happy and to feel good. He saved them to have a mission and a purpose. And the fifth thing is this. I want you to watch this and then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 1 and see this same thing fleshed out because it's written by the same author. Luke writes Luke and Acts. Look in verse 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. I am sending forth the promise of, of my Father upon you. Where's the promise coming from? The Father. 
His Father, our Father. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. What? What? You, we're to what? We're just to hang out? Stay in the city? But I thought, Jesus, I thought you said we need to go. We need to be witnesses. You want me to, okay, you want me to say nothing? Until power of God is, what does that mean, Jesus? Look over in Acts chapter 1 with me. We're going to jump over there. And I want you to notice that what he just said was a directive. See, before there, there was power here and before there's power in our life, there's instruction, there's revelation, there's a relationship, there is a purpose and mission that we're given. And let me tell you something. If you know Jesus Christ, you've got the first four. And the fifth one is a directive. Jesus told the disciples to do nothing until the power of God has come upon you. You know what our problem is? We do something just hoping God's power will show up. I think we get the cart before the horse sometimes. When Jesus tells the disciples, you do nothing until the power of God comes upon you. Until you have directive from Him, don't say a word. Because let me tell you why. If we stand in our power, we will not find success and transformation in people's lives. But when we stand in the power of a holy and living God, He is going to do a work that we can't see and do something we never thought possible because the power of God transcends us. Verse 1, chapter 1 of Acts. The first account I composed, Theophilus, this is Luke writing to the same person. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. And after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, I want to stop there for a second. Did anybody just get something? Did anybody just see something? Maybe somebody just got a revelation you've never seen. Maybe some of you didn't quite get it, so I'm going to read this again. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, gave orders. Why did Jesus not simply just give orders? I mean, he's the Son of God, right? When you think about Jesus, and you look at the miracles... There is scriptural evidence that Jesus was fully human and fully God. But he did not lean on that divinity to accomplish his humanity. The only way he leaned on the divinity is by the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Jesus did not reach over and grab the miracle and say, I've got this. He reached over and said, Holy Spirit, you got this. Because he understood the Holy Spirit and he wanted to show us that we can do what he did and even greater, which I'm going to read to you in a moment, because he had the Holy Spirit directing him. So here we read, and he, by the Holy Spirit, gave orders to the apostles when he had chosen. Why was the Holy Spirit involved? Because the revelation and the relationship and the mission took root when the Holy Spirit was dug down deep into the hearts of of, of the disciples. 
So the Holy Spirit is working and He's giving these through Jesus and Jesus through Him. To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. How many days? 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God, gathering them together, He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait. How many of you just love that word? How many just love wait? I mean, you love it when your, your internet is buffering. Or when you're on your phone and you just see the wheel going... Or your connection has been interrupted. Don't, uh, who here just loves to wait? When, when you pull up to a drive-thru and you have to sit 35 minutes. Man, that, don't you just love that? You're in your car and you're trying to get home or get somewhere and you have to wait 35 minutes for your food. I love it when that happens. Or you're in the store and you're trying to get out and you've, you've only got five items and there's 15 people in front of you. And you're going, hello, you know, you could open up another register. you got 53 of them here. Okay. I love to wait. I, I'm assuming everybody is being very honest right now and nobody raised their hand to say, I just love to wait. Can you imagine the disciples? They have seen Jesus raised from the dead. He's performed miracles. He's been teaching them. And now Jesus says, wait. Really? Come on, Jesus. I know Peter. We're, we're talking about Peter on Wednesday night. I can see Peter now going, Oh, Jesus, come on. I'm like a horse on race day. I'm in the stall. Come on, open the gate, Jesus. I'm ready. But Jesus said, Wait. Could it be that Jesus said, Wait, because Peter would have gotten into his own power rather than God's to do something. So Peter had to just simply wait. So he says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Let me tell you something. God has promised each one of you something, and that is power from on high. Well, pastor, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not even that good of a Christian. I'm, I'm just struggling to get by. It does not matter what level you're at. God's promises for everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And he says, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but, I, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Do you know what baptized means here? The Greek means immersion, to be totally immersed, to be overcome with. Let me tell you, the Father has promised you to be overcome with the Holy Spirit. You know, you know how you can tell somebody is overcome with the Holy Spirit? It's not speaking in tongues. It's not running around a room. It's not hollering and shouting in a worship service. The person who has been overcome with the Holy Spirit is a person who sees life through a biblical lens and through the eyes of God. The one who is totally immersed to say, what's going on at work? What's God's perspective? 
What can I do to glorify Him? Because let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's primary job is to make Jesus famous, not you. The Holy Spirit's primary job is to make Jesus look good and not you in front of your boss or in front of your students or in front of your friends. The Holy Spirit's job is to, is when, when you're filled and you're baptized and you're immersed in the Holy Spirit, you are seeking after what God wants rather than yourself. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? Again, Jesus said, wait. And they're going, come on, is it right now? Are you about to restore the kingdom of Israel? Come on, Jesus. Yeah, we're on board with you. Whoo, come on, come on, come on, come on. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed. Come on, Jesus. Come on, man. It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. Okay, Jesus. But you... I hope you're looking at your Bible. because Look at this. But you will. Not you maybe, not you can, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Let me tell you something. If you want power, then let me tell you where it comes from. God's power comes from the Holy Spirit and works greatest when Jesus is king in your life. If Jesus is not king in your life, don't expect God's power to be working great in your life. Jesus has no place for second place with you. And the Holy Spirit wants Jesus to be first and foremost. So if Jesus is not on the throne, don't expect the Holy Spirit to be doing big work in your life. Because the Holy Spirit's power works best when Jesus is king in your life. Power comes only from the Holy Spirit. Not our thinking, not our minds, not our songs, not our, not our emotions. The power comes from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone. That's what separates us from the world. We have a holy and living God that can dwell within us to help us become holy. Many people today visit the Spirit. They just visit the Spirit. They want just a little bit, just enough to say, I've been to church but they don't want to get intoxicated with Him. They don't want to get baptized with Him. They don't want Him to show up on Monday morning when they're on the job site. They don't want Jesus to show up in the car when you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. Oh my goodness. Jesus, you stay at the church. I, I want a sample of you, of the Holy Spirit. I just don't want the whole thing to inter intervene in my life. Let me tell you. If you want power in your life, you can't put God in a box, in a compartment, because that's going to keep Him locked up and locked down. Having God's point of view on everything is important. But let me, let me illustrate to you the power of the Holy Spirit. I have in my hand one of the neatest inventions I think I have ever seen in the last few years that I just love. It's not a bag. That's what's inside of it. In here is a battery. I am holding in my hand a battery. This battery will put out 1,000 cranking amps. And I got it in my hand. 
I don't know, some of you have maybe never picked up a car battery, but those suckers are heavy. I want you to know I'm at the age now where the way I get a battery out of a car is I go, buddy, those things are heavy. But yet in my hand, I have a thousand cranking amps. Yesterday, I went to get in my Jeep. And when I got in my Jeep, it was as dead as could be. There's an engine under the hood. There's fuel in the, in, in the tank. But when I stuck the key in, nothing happened. Zero. I mean, the lights weren't even dimly lit. They were just off. So, you know what I did? Got out of the Jeep and just started going, <laughs> I can't drive my Jeep. No, I said, I know what I got. Let me go get it. So I went and I got my little bag. I raised the hood and I got my little battery out. And then by seismosis, I pointed at it and went, No, 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 no. The power in this battery to get it into that engine that had the power to get me somewhere required a connection. God has the power in heaven that He wants to transfer down into your life. But there has to be a connection. Let me tell you, the connection is the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. The connection is the one who reaches up to God and, and is plugged in to God's will and God's way and God's power. And then when this is connected to the positive and the negative in your life and in my life, when I put that on the battery yesterday... Let me tell you what was strange. It scared me. I hooked it up, and, and my car started going, beep, beep. It had more power than it needed. And my Jeep's going, whoa. There's beepers going off. At first I thought I had done something wrong, but it's because this was so powerful. The Jeep's going, hold on. This is more than I was, I've been used to. I got in, put that key in, and guess what happened? Boom, that Jeep cranked right up because there was a power that was transferred from the source down to the, where it was needed. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a source of power today in heaven above that wants to transfer down into your life right where you are. What's going on? What's happening with you? He wants to save people's souls. He wants to change people's lives and it will only happen through the Holy Spirit. Not your intellect, not your, your way, but God's way is the only way, ladies and gentlemen. And it only comes through the Holy Spirit. So when you think, well, I don't have all the answers. I can't fix everything. That's okay. You're not the one transforming lives anyway. It is the Holy Spirit Himself that is bridging that gap. But until that connection is made, you'll never experience that power. We cannot be looking for programs and people and plans to bring God's power. We don't need, no, we don't need more programs. We don't need more plans. We, we, we don't need more counseling and, and we, we don't need more strength. We need more of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit empowering us individually so that we will see this community and world change for God. Tony Evans said, the power that you need is not simply tied to your salvation but tied to your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So today, you may be asking, well, what must I do? How can I get this power? You said you would answer that question. Here we go. It's a simple formula. And it's going to begin with God's promise. 
What did Jesus say to the disciples? The promise from the Father. The promise. God's promise. Plus our patience. We want it now, don't we? We want it like a microwave. God, give us your power. Let it rain down right now. Let it fill this place. Just microwave us like crazy. Let us put it on high, God. But sometimes we have to wait. We have to be patient. Because God is doing a work we cannot see. But God's promise plus our patience. And don't miss our prayers. The disciples were communicating with Jesus and we must communicate with the Father. We must communicate for God's power to be in our life. Equals God's power. We can have power when we're powerless, strength when we're weak, hope when we're hopeless, help when we're helpless. When God's power intervenes, we can change the world. Listen, there's a mission trip coming up. There's a team leaving Saturday morning at 6 a.m. when many of you will still be asleep. Going to a place called Montague, is that right? Montague, Louisiana. To do vacation Bible school for, for some kids. To work on a church. To work on a parsonage. To visit with some people. To do a work. But let me tell you something. Nothing will be accomplished by God if first He's not working within us. So you need to pray, and we're praying that God will work through us, through His power, first and foremost. Second, tonight, something's going to be happening around this church that's going to be incredible. Yes, there's going to be fireworks, and I like things that blow up. But you know what else is going to be around this church? People who do not know Jesus. There's going to be lost people all over the place. We don't even have to go find them. God's bringing all the fish right to us. And tonight, we can go out there and talk about Jesus all we want. We can stand up and ask, who is Jesus? If you knew you were wrong about something, or if you possibly was, would you want to know the, the right answer, the truth? But without the power of God, we'll just be moving our lips. But with the power of God, our 4th of July celebration can turn into a revelation of people getting saved. So I challenge you tonight to come. Maybe your, your role is just simply to have a conversation with somebody, invite them to church, or, 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 or tell your testimony. What did Jesus say they were to be? Witnesses, not seminary professors. Tell them about what Jesus has done in your life. How great it is to have them here and invite them or do something. But it's an opportunity to do the mission and to let God's power work. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? That's the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Some, many of us want to go somewhere with God. We want Him to do great things in our life. We want God to give us victory. But are we willing for God to let Jesus be king in our life. In order for God to take you somewhere and to do something great in your life, then there's things in your life that should be addressed. And the Holy Spirit will make that clear. 
You don't ask the Spirit for the Spirit. You ask for the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? You don't ask for the Spirit. You ask for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will need to make you holy. And if you resist the power and work of God to make you holy, then how can you expect the power of God to work in other areas of your life? So here's your seven-day challenge. This week, even this morning, this day, I want you to pray. Pray that God and the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the thing that needs to be addressed in your life. Maybe it's your lips. Maybe it's your mind. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's... It's, it's something that I haven't even considered or thought about, but what within me is standing in the way of God's power working through me? That's the question today. What's standing in the way of God's power working in your life? It's a fair question. If you wanted to know how to have God's power work in your life, ask that question and then listen for the answer and let God do a great work. This morning, there, there may be something in your heart or your mind that you're dealing with that God has brought to your attention, and you need to do something about it. You've tried this, and you've tried that, and you've gone left, you've gone right, you've searched this out, and you've searched that out. But have you simply tried to just surrender? To, yes, pastor, I tried that at home. Well, do it in here. This morning, if there's something you're struggling with, come down here and just lay it on the altar. Say, God, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm giving this to you. And don't take it back with you. Oftentimes, we'll come and leave something at the altar and get up and carry it right back with us. We'll lay it down, and then as we get up, we grab a back hold of it. Bring it and lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning. This morning, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you can't access the power at all because the Holy Spirit's not going to be dwelling within you. So today, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not have the essence or the understanding of this great mystery, I ask you to ask God to forgive you and to take over your life. Ask Him to forgive you and take over your life today. Would you stand with me and bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for how it works in our lives to make us holy. Father, right now, I pray that you will do a work in the hearts and minds of the people. Those who are online, those who are in this room, that you may make us holy so that we can experience your power. Lord, you've given us instruction. You've given us revelation. You've given us a relationship. You've given us a purpose and a mission. You've given us a directive. Now we, may we take that which you've given to us and use it for your glory. Lord, if there's one here that does not know you, convict their heart right now. Reveal to them, Father, their need for repentance, that they will turn from their wicked ways, that they will turn from their sin, that they will understand that they're lost and that they have messed up, that they will repent and believe. 
Repentance is simply saying, God, I've messed up and I need to turn from this. I need to go in the other direction. I was wrong. And believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead. Ask Him to forgive you. And ask Him to take over your life. Do that now and the power of the Holy Spirit will come inside and dwell with you.